Welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Well, this week we have someone who is really special to me because we've worked together and then been friends for many, many years. And I'm just so impressed with everything he's done. And also he's actually my person that I go to for advice most of the time. He's Jim Rancier, operations wing person and White Salmon City Council member. Hey, Jim. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Very excited to be on uh, on your podcast. Uh, All right. This is, this is good times. Yeah, I'm excited too. And uh, I know it's sunny. So you're in Washington. So let's first say, what is White Salmon? Because I just said that, but. So White Salmon is a city of uh, about 21, 2200 people on the Oregon-Washington border on the Columbia River. Uh, we're about an hour east of Portland, Oregon. So uh, anyone who's ever been to this area knows it's gorgeous. It's uh, near Mount Hood, Mount Adams, and uh, lots of outdoor activities, uh, wine tasting region. It's It really is a, a little kind of mini paradise as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's funny because so I'm in London and you're in Washington, both places not known for extreme sunlight, but we both had sunny days today. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, I can't say that I didn't complain a little bit that the sun came out uh, just because it's in my eyes at the moment, but uh, you know, I'll take it where I can get it. Yeah. So uh, let's first of all, just start with um, just maybe let you introduce a little bit about what you're doing right now. And then we'll just go in and chat about everything from, from before and now. Yeah, my, you know, from a career perspective, uh, I have a pretty lengthy background in kind of startup, e-commerce startups and operations. So everything from customer service operations to kind of like creative or studio operations. Um, I've worked on the retail side. I've worked on the B2B side. Uh, and so just, yeah, a lot of a, a lot of process and project related activities in my career um, and then separately of that, uh, recently uh, joined the White Salmon uh, City Council as council member number four, position four, and also uh, kind of in the middle of all of that between uh, personal and professional, I also started a, a, my own consulting um, business on the side as well. Um, so yeah, but, uh, definitely, clearly I know how to keep busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not one of the people who said you wished you had time and then really ended up with a ton of time during this pandemic uh, because you do a lot. You have That's a lot right. That's right. Yeah. One of these days, though, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn how to relax a little bit more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. I believe you. Uh, <laughs> so um, just kind of thinking about your career, first of all, because I think this will resonate with a lot of people. You worked in places like a startup. And then we worked together for quite a while in what was more of a big e-commerce company. I mean, they were, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars kind of company a year. And then you went to another startup to big company and then to your own thing. And now you're going into, I think, a smaller company. And so how, how have you found those transitions and what have you looked for 
in those different kind of companies? And have you found like, I guess, keeping, um, keeping yourself like keeping true to yourself, put it that way. And, you know, as you transitioned, a lot of people, and why I'm asking this, I'll just say is a lot of people will say, Oh, I don't want to be in a big company. I want to be in a startup or, Oh, I can't do the startup thing. And I think you've successfully done all of them. So how have you, how have you managed that? Yeah, I, I do think it's probably a mindset more than the environment that you're in. Uh, so for me, uh, having been through kind of uh, uh, companies where I was, you know, w- within the first, you know, 20 to 30 employees and companies where, you know, to your point, uh, where we work together, where there's, you know, definitely a thousand uh, or more employees spread out over the country. Uh, yeah, you. Uh, I'd say that the mindset really for me is... Um, really about uh, building relationships um, built. I mean, it sounds cheesy and corny actually, but it really is true. Like the, the success has come from uh, the approach being able to uh, properly. Yeah, how do I even say that? Like it really does come from approach, which is uh, showing genuine interest in uh, you, both the company's success and your peers and coworkers and, and superiors and everyone. Um, but also just, yeah, like, I guess, um, coming at it from a place of curiosity, like, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't ever pretend to know much of anything. Like I show up intentionally, like, I, you know, who am I to say, uh, whether or not I know how to do something or not do something, it changes in each job. So I guess there's an adaptability piece there too, to what makes it successful. But uh, really for me, I guess if I were to just recap that, that kind of meander there is very much about, adaptability very much about uh, curiosity and very much about uh, building kind of solid work relationships, knowing that like, you know, no matter where you're at, small or big company, you have to work well with those around you. Uh, Otherwise it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. That's true. And you're someone who has been both an individual contributor and a manager of people. Yeah. Have you found that building relationships is a little bit different when people are reporting to you versus when you're really kind of, um, well, the individual contributor and you don't have people reporting to you. So your relationships are more like lateral, say, for example. Uh, good question. Yeah. I wouldn't, um, it's funny because instinctually when you ask the question, my response is no, uh, I, there is no difference because I think, and I'll, and me, and there might be some, uh, finesse there, but I would say uh, how I um, how I treat people, whether they report to me, I report to them, or we are peers, um, I feel like is the same. And I think that's actually probably been one of the larger successes of my career is that without sounding like uh, tooting my own horn, uh, it everyone who I've ever received feedback from has said that they really appreciated that approach that like, I've always been very approachable and very uh, well interested in, in their success and interested in helping and, and, you know, that just genuine caring of, of Mm -hmm. people, whether they report to you or not, uh, that that's not something that you can fake. Uh, It's either, you either do care or you don't. uh, And that's okay. Like there's times when, you know, I totally get it that there's people that don't, uh, but I, I can't actually operate without genuinely caring about people. And so I think that has been a success for me in that uh, whether I've been an individual contributor or a manager, um, that that feeling that people get when talking with me is that I care about them. And that's and it is true. Like, I, I don't 
I don't know how to operate without caring about something. In fact, it makes me think of a, a little brief side story, which is there were, there was someone who reported to me um, and she definitely was a new manager. She wasn't interested. She, she genuinely wasn't interested in the success of one of her employees. Like it, it was just the employee was struggling. And I, I remember giving her feedback of like, Hey, you know, here's a, here's just a little idea. Like maybe just genuinely try and get to know them, like find out mm-hmm. who they are as a person and, and just, you know, show some interest and curiosity in who they are. And she, you know, two weeks later, she came back. It's like, I tried what you did. And it was the best conversation that we ever had. And it was really, 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 um, it was a really, really positive relationship. And I said, oh, so do you feel like, like you care? You're really invested? And she's like, no, I was faking it. I, de- I still don't, I still don't, um, I still don't care about them. But, uh, but it re- really well when I, I at least pretended that I did. And I said, well, you know, maybe the next step, you know, to kick your feedback, uh, next step is perhaps you should also uh, care, uh, actually genuinely care and not fake it. But I go baby steps, right? Like baby steps to first, you know, fake it till you make it. But then, you know, there's a point when maybe you should uh, uh, get to a point where you feel like you could care for real. (laughs) (laughs) Needless needless to say, she did not stay a a manager of people long because I don't think you can manage people, uh, a group of people without um, being invested. So no, that's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was trying not to laugh too loud. I, mean, I, I could always just cut me out, but uh, that's interesting. Right. I mean, cause I don't, I think we're, well, I know we're similar. I mean, I, I know that. And so like to pretend like pretending I don't care is what I have to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to sound, sometimes I try not to sound as invested as I am. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, Maybe you can care less about this. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would have been good uh, feed up, uh, upward feedback uh, to yeah. me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be funny? Like you do you do the reviews, like the 180s, I guess. Are they 180s or 360s or someone else like your employee would? It's, it's 360. I always try to envision like, am I just turning around, like getting feedback from whoever? But yeah, and she's like, oh, he could care much less about... <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, exactly so yeah like so i mean just to bring it back to what you said though or what you were asking about like for me it really is um uh the ability to whether you're an individual contributor or manager of people i would i, I guess to going back to the finesse of that i would say that um, i don't think you can be a successful manager um or let me phrase that i don't i don't think you would enjoy being a manager if you don't get invested in your people uh, i think as an individual contributor you that is a great place for someone who struggles to to identify or relate to the you know to the their team um because it, because then you're not uh, at least then you're it's just between you and your manager and it's not some type of weird trickle down to to the rest of the team mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. No, and that's, it's interesting though, because I think a lot of people think they need to like show off to one level and not the other. And to me, it's like, be, be your best. I mean, to everyone. Right. And, right. Yeah. yeah. If you're being genuine, then it's like, if you're being genuine, you're not kissing up to the boss and whatever, you're just being a genuine person who cares about people. And yeah. I, I've never had an employee who didn't appreciate something me genuinely caring about their success. And like, if you start from that spot, if you start from a, a really genuine and caring point of view, um, giving difficult feedback is easier as well, because um, 
it's like, I'm sharing this feedback with you because I want you to be successful. I, I, I don't want you to be in trouble. I don't want you like, you know, I, I don't start from a place of like, how can I get rid of this person? I start from a place of like, how can I elevate this person? And so I think if you start, uh, uh, yeah, it, you know, there's certainly managers that don't operate like that. Uh, and I tend to avoid that type of environment as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you think about, cause you're someone who I would say just having worked with you and knowing a lot of your career as you've gone through it, you're someone who, truly does like operations and operational work and process. Is that a fair thing to say? It is. Yeah. Because otherwise the entire rest of it is south of <laughs> I'm not but, sure what um, we would talk about, but yeah. yeah well, that's it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thinking about that, I mean, you found an area that you really love. And so you've been able to then enjoy and like get fulfillment out of, out of work in a way that, some people haven't because they're in roles they don't like. And what is it about like operations and process that you enjoy, I guess? Yeah, I'd say, um, I also feel like I fill a little, an interesting niche of operations because, um, I'm definitely not, I know what I'm not right. Like I, I think most people do better at knowing what they aren't versus what they are. But I would say, <laughs> I know I'm not, uh, I'm not doing like Toyota Kata level process, right? I'm not, I'm not a black belt, you know, in Six Sigma. Uh, and and uh, those are absolutely important elements to complicated processes. So like that, but that isn't my skill set. Uh, I think I am genuinely kind of the person that bridges uh, that process operations piece with people and uh, and maybe bringing a little bit of a kind of a re- logical uh, logical process, uh, and so how that's how that's manifested in the jobs that I've been in is, um, and this is perhaps why I, this also might be why I'm in startups more often mm-hmm. than not is um, I do like creating things. I do like uh, the operations piece that I like is the creation of the process. I wouldn't say I'm the guy that you want to maintain your process forever because that's uh, not stimulating for me. And also um, it, uh, that doesn't bring me joy. Uh, mm-hmm. What I do like to do though, is build a process and then start kind of iterating on it. And so like, I kind of am reminded of uh, one of my jobs at, um, at Zulily where we had a process for um, how we approve images like because uh, it was in the studio creative team and, and there was a lot of images that came in from third parties mm-hmm. and we the process became started to become like sort of a full-time job and and it was spread out over a bunch of people and and it was pretty monotonous and nobody really wanted it to be their sole job and so we came up with this really kind of elegant process and everybody was like yeah this is the process and and so for like two months it worked great and then the third month it completely fell apart and which and at first I'm like, what? How did how did this go from like this? Re- like everybody was on the same page and they loved this process and it was, um, and it was really exciting. And then the very uh, then it kind of we kind of looked at the numbers and we're like, oh, the volume of images grew by four hundred percent in three months. <laughs> so it was one of those things where you're like, oh, so the process that we had come up with was really elegant at you know at what it was that first month, but it really completely blew up the process once that type of growth was experienced. And so 
Um, so when I say that I like creation, I, I really like that iterative process of here's the process. Let's try it out. Let's go for it. Let's see what happens. And then immediately start, you know, uh, enhancing upon that. Um, and, and so there, there is, there was obviously a point when that process stabilized and it scaled well. And then that's, you know, that's great. That's such a satisfactory feeling. And I think going back to your original question, which was, um, you know, kind of sort of like why, you know, why do I like operations and what do I like process? Um, at, at my heart, I am, uh, two things. Uh, I love crossing off an item on a checklist, which, you know, <laughs> I think most project managers or people who do projects, uh, love that. Uh, and so the ability to mark a bunch of items off of a task list is really, um, important to me. And then two, I do like creation. Like I do like creating things, whether, and, and operations is a great place to be able to create something, uh, that's also organized and allows me to have cross off items on a task list. So <laughs> do you, do you ever write things down that you know you're almost done with just so you can cross them off? Uh, I'm not, I guess I'm not even embarrassed to say this, but yes, I am. Um, because I want, I want the satisfaction of knowing that I did it, even though I know I did it, I want to see it. Um, and so, yes, I am that. I am one of the people that will write something down, um, or like I, I try to be paperless uh, because I'm also a notorious post-it note abuser. So I don't um, <laughs> actually. I, I try to keep all paper away from me because I'll start writing things down, and they're actually important. And so I do everything electronic as much as I can. But I use Asana pretty regularly in Trello and a few other project things. But I will literally type it out so that I can click the button and get the. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, I think it's best to own those types of things, which is like, I really like, I really like that. And so what, what, who am I to keep myself from having that joy? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I just, I've done that. Right. And, you know, and we'll get into what we both do. Well, mostly what you do. I'm doing what I do on the side right now at the moment, (laughs) 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 but we'll get into what you do, but it's like, when you also are managing your own work or side projects or whatever, you do have to keep track of things. And there is something nice about just writing down like, Oh, send, you know, send Jim an email. Oh, done. You know, in a, in a minute. Uh, but there's something there is. It's satisfying to cross things off. So I agree. It is. Yeah, and like, you know, and I know that there's people that aren't like that. And that's, that's actually great. I'm glad that not everybody's like that. That'd be really boring. So I like that, that that's a skill set that you and I have both made careers out of, uh, which is that not the not writing things down just to cross them off. But like, <laughs> yeah, don't undermine everything your project manager does, because so many people do that. <laughs> Right. Uh, right. But like, I think, uh, yeah, when I say that like, I, I'm in a, in a niche, I think it's because I'm not, I, I am not uh, and I, I think this probably applies to both of us as well. Like I'm not a, um, you know, uh, I'm not uh, overly technical. And so when you think of like Six Sigma and Kata and some of those, you know, really process engineering type of uh, that type of work um, that doesn't appeal to me because it becomes tedious. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and some people love that. Uh, it, I, that isn't for me. I like to think that I bring some personality to process and, and and this also probably goes back to me feeling like I'm a jack of all trades. I like to know a little bit about a lot of things, uh, which is project management's perfect because you tend to work on projects cross-functionally across multiple departments typically. And so, uh, so yeah, like I think that's a good way to 
learn about a lot about things without uh, truly having to commit to any one thing. Uh, I wish that I could be as passionate about process engineering as some of the process engineers I've met over my career. Like I've met people who are just so passionate about Toyota Kata that it, it's inspiring, right? It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. inspiring to, to see it. And it's also becomes crystal clear that that's not me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think, you know, I think when I think a lot of people are always like trying to find your passion, try to find what you love. Uh, for me, it's been more of a process of elimination than it has been a process of knowing what that is. But some people mm-hmm. know what that is. Like they know, they've known for a long time. And, um, you know, the grass is always greener, I'm sure. Uh, but for me, it's, it's nice. Uh, it's, yeah, it's nice to know there's people out there that have that type of vision. I'm more of the let's figure this out, what I do and don't like as I move along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it leaves you open to different things. So all that being said, I suppose, what's the biggest, what you feel is like one of your biggest accomplishments at a startup that you can talk about? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's anything that I've done that I couldn't share at this point. Um, it's a good question. Uh, uh, this is going to uh, make me sound a little uh, Mother Teresa-ish, which is I, I don't celebrate my wins well. Um, and I, uh, and I don't know where that comes from uh, other than, you know, without, we don't have this, uh, if we wanted to spend a whole podcast uh, talking about uh, my childhood to figure out why that I can't take a compliment, uh, we could, but I don't think that's the intent here. Um, I, I think, uh, I think that for me, hmm, this is hard. This brought, this brought to the hardest question. Cause I don't, uh, I don't think like that very much. I don't think about like, look at all these accomplishments, but um, if I were to choose, I would say the hardest job I had was at Zulily. Uh, and I say that because uh, the growth there was, you know, it literally went from zero dollars in sales to a uh, billion dollar run rate in four years. Like mm. that in, um, the nobody most, I mean, there's very few companies. I think it's literally less than 10 in the last 20 years that have grown that quickly. And, mm. and so, uh, there's not a lot of blueprints out there to how to do that right. And so it was very difficult. Um, and, you know, it felt like every day we were both winging it, but also trying to be thoughtful about it. And it was, it just was difficult because uh, um, kind of like using that example with the the images, like you just, you knew that whatever you built was probably going to change another month or two later. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, people would get frustrated because things were never stable. Like you were, lo- everybody's looking for stabi- stability. Everybody's looking for structure and process. Uh, that's what most employees want. Like they want things to be predictable. Um, and that just wasn't the environment that we were in. It, it was understandable. Why? Because the growth was so astronomical. Um, and so I'd say like the, uh, aside from making it through that successfully, I'd say it was, uh, it was such an excellent learning experience because, um, I think I learned a lot about how to work with my teens because I was managing people at that point, uh, a lot of people at that point, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of, uh, kind of like both be authentic and say, "Yeah, this is hard." Like that, no, it, you had to start from a place of acknowledging, like, "This is not, this isn't normal. This isn't, you know, my previous experience. Nothing quite like this had ever happened." Um, but also just saying, like, you know, we'll figure it out, and that. Uh, you know, like uh, we have a lot of smart people here, we, which we did, um, and we'll figure it out. And that it, it, 
uh, you know, I'm going to give you flexibility knowing that this is difficult for you to change. And, and I hope that you give me the same flexibility that we're trying to figure this out real time. Like um, it's hard to, it's hard to think about the future when you're so busy uh, in the moment, at least at that job, uh, there was kind of a daily production element to it that, that it was difficult to think any further out than a month or two when, you know, you're just trying to get done with all of the work that needed to be done today. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I'd say that was the, I'd say that the reason I'm proud, it was both the most difficult, but also the thing that I was most proud of because uh, it was, I felt like I got a, a four year, um, MBA and how, how to work through, uh, uh, a massively growing startup. Like it, uh, I don't think most people get that opportunity. So I felt uh, very lucky when it was over, uh, to, not over the company's still in business. Um, when I, when, uh, when I took, uh, left the company, um, and took some time off to rest, cause it was a very, like I said, yeah. a very difficult job. Um, it was, it was a very, um, very rewarding in the sense of there's things even today that I refer back to, uh, at Zulily to, um, uh, think and how I think about things now. Mm-hmm. So, and thinking about actually that time you took off and you guys, you took a while off yeah. and was that a turning point from you and how you thought about your personal time versus your time at work or did that happen later or sooner? Yeah, it was definitely the first time ever as an adult uh, that I took more than two weeks of time off, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it was vacation or between jobs or whatever the case may be. Um, and so it was definitely the first time I think I ended up taking uh it probably was uh, a flat out no work. It was probably six months uh, in intentional. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there was lots of things about that that were scary. It, I never, because I had never done that, you know, I, I would say I spent a decent amount of that time worrying that could I ever get, get back into the workforce and would, would those skills just disappear? And like, there's all these, you know, the, the self-reflection that um, and doubt that most people have, uh, in general, but it was amplified because I had time to think about it. Uh, <laughs> and so I do like to keep myself busy and, 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 uh, and so I found different ways to do that, uh, whether that was, you know, traveling or uh, helping some friends out with her, uh, a friend out with her uh, starting business, you know, there was ways I, I kept that time filled, but yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting experience. I know that it's easy. I, I also know what a privilege it was to be able to take that long up time off. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people can't afford to do that. And I was very lucky and fortunate to be able to do that. And obviously I would highly recommend it for everyone because it, I think it gave me really good perspective. And, um, and the other thing that I learned uh, is that, um, you know, it, the skills stay with you and the, the, the worry was for, was for not. And, and I definitely would like, yeah, I, I still could tr- force myself to remind myself of the lessons learned there, which is like, you know, I always worry like when I switch jobs uh, is that are those uh, will I will those skills transfer? And now that it's happened, you know, five or six, I don't know how many times it's happened. Uh, I start to feel silly or asking the question because I know the answer to the question and yet I still do it. So I think uh, it's I also like, though, that. Um, I never want to be so confident that I don't ask the question. <laughs> uh, I, I think humility goes a really long way. And, and so I think 
forcing myself to be humble about, you know, I don't want to be so confident about how transferable my skills are, but I also probably don't need to be so critical either. Right. I think there's a middle way there. Yeah. There's like, you don't have to go all the way to the imposter syndrome route. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which is very real, right? Like that the part that's crazy about imposter syndrome is like with, with maybe one or two exceptions, not, I don't think I've met anyone that I've worked with and or been friends with who doesn't have some level of that uh, yeah. at their work because we're all, you know, we're all just trying to figure it out as we go along. And some pretend, some do have a much better, uh, you know, veneer or gloss to it to make you think that they're mm-hmm. not thinking that way. But uh, I've met CEOs, I've met uh, entry level people and, and and many people in between and all of them uh, almost, I would say like 99% of people fall into the somewhere on that spectrum of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And sooner or later, they're going to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And then we've met the ones who we figured it out. Right. Yeah, you're right. right. <laughs> yeah, no, I- <laughs> That's right. No. But, uh, but then, like, that's a great opportunity. You know, like, honestly, though, like, uh, if you've got the right relationship with people, you can actually tell them, like, oh, yeah, no, you don't know what you're talking about, but that's okay. Neither do I. And, like, you know, yeah. we'll help each other out here because let's be friends. <laughs> <laughs> See, and maybe you could be a little less positive, Jim. Just Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's funny you should say that. Uh, I am definitely a glass half full guy. Even when I don't want to be like, there's times when I want to be like full on pessimistic. Um, mm-hmm. And occasionally I'm like, I don't, um, you and I have talked enough over the years to know that like, I'm not always a hundred percent positive, uh, no doubt. Uh, but I also, um, particularly with work, I would say um, I, ha- I have enough evidence now to see that like it usually works out. And so mm-hmm. it's not, um, it's not as bad as it seems usually. Yeah, no, and I, I, that's true. I mean, it's rare you can ever, um, if I go to my, the cognitive behavioral therapy side of me that I've invested in, <laughs> my right. cognitive therapist, um, <laughs> it's rarely like possible to prove whatever negative thought it is, whether it's like this problem at work's never going to change or something personal. You can rarely find evidence to prove that versus the opposite, and so. Right. Yeah, if you can jump and skip all those steps, that's even better, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so one thing that you've written about, and I'm definitely gonna link to to your website, and just to be clear, that's your consulting company that you started. That's but right. you're are you still taking work through that if it comes up or it's funny you should ask. Um, no, uh, but it's funny. I, one of the things I've learned, uh, this probably wasn't the question you're asking, but one of the things that I've learned about myself in this process was um, uh, this actually ties right back to what I was just saying before, which is because I get so invested and because I care so much about the work that I'm doing, with one exception, all of the consulting gigs that I took turned into jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> Which I don't, I don't know enough. Maybe, maybe I must have missed. I'm clearly misunderstood what the point of consulting was because, um, because as soon as I started working for my clients, um, uh, I got really invested. They got really invested, and in, in, and it turned into a job. So, um, 
Yeah, like almost all of the clients that I had turned into jobs. So when I so um, I would say that I was probably terrible at consulting because because of that, like traditional consulting, because um, I, I immediately dove way deeper than probably was needed, uh, which there's a there's pros and cons to that. And um, yeah, so I lesson learned. Um, so it is active in the sense that. Um, you know, I do have a site and I do have a blog that, but I haven't updated recently, but, um, and also, uh, you know, I'm always willing to help. And so I like to keep it up and alive, alive mm-hmm. in case something were to come through that I felt like I could really provide value or, or even just help someone with questions. Um, but it isn't, I am not actively seeking clients cause I do, I actually very shortly have a new job. So, um, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and this is why conversations with me are never linear and why I don't just one thing I've been asked and I'll just interrupt this to tell people like, do I send out questions ahead of time? No, I don't. One reason is I can't stick to a script. So, you know, <laughs> and I really don't want guests here to stick to one. So that's um, just for people to know that. Cause I think a lot of people have asked me that already, like do you, or people who are going to be on too, are you going to send questions? Nope. Cause I want us to have a conversation. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, so back to, back to the question. Back to the question. Um, one thing you wrote about though is the concept of having a wing person and being a wing person yeah. at work. And so we know what the whole the idea of one at a bar is probably, but when you talk about it at work, so I just want to read like a little bit of what you said, uh-huh. and then we'll talk about it. Um, ideally, he or she is someone you trust and can have an honest, transparent relationship with. They have the ability to keep your conversations private, allowing for open discussions about the lay of the land at the company you work for. They can often be your go-to for important tasks or projects, and they ultimately support your vision. She or he needs to be as invested in your success as you are in theirs. It doesn't work without a, without skin in the game for both parties. All of this goes back to the main requirements of a wing person, trust, honesty, and transparency. Yeah. I think if just taking a moment to reflect and anyone listening, do you have a wing person is what I'm asking people who are listening. And if not, then after this, maybe think about why and think about getting one. I know I have had for sure for you, it's been very important. So talk a little bit about how you ended up defining wing person this way and what it means to you. Yeah. You know, so in that time that I took off after Zulily, um, and that was when I initially, the genesis of the trying to do consulting, the first thing that I did before I, I even um, started the business was I did quite a bit of self-reflection on what are the things I like to do? What are the things I don't like to do? Uh, what, what are the, um, yeah, what are, uh, what, you know, going so far back as to, as a child, uh, what were the things I wanted to be when I grew up and how does that, how did that translate into actually what I am doing? And it's interesting because there are themes that, that kind of stuck out, stood out, which was, and I'll get to your question, but I just say that the, there's a, um, there was like a foundational thing of me realizing like, Oh, when I was a kid, I remember I wanted to be an artist and I wanted to be, um, a writer and I wanted to be different at different times. And I wanted to be a landscape architect and I wanted, there were, uh, I wanted to be a filmmaker at one point. And there is something, there is a through there, a through line, which was going back to the idea of creation and being able to create things, right? There was a creativity element there and me thinking like, Oh, well, my career really hasn't been like that at all. And then me kind of doing that aha moment of, 
oh, that's actually exactly what I'm doing right now, which is creating things from scratch. So I'm taking that creative energy and, and putting it in something um, that is is logical. And it's interesting because I don't, I never liked math in 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 um, high school or any grade. Uh, but it, <laughs> but uh, but it, I was never bad at it. I just didn't like it. And so it's interesting because that tells me, like, I want to think about logical and creative minds. Uh, it's interesting that even even when I was young, I was trying to reconcile those two things, um, which is the the idea of creation, pulling, creating something out of nothing. And so when I um, to go back to uh, wingman or wingwoman, uh, as the case may be, uh, one of the things I discovered in this self reflective process was how uh, uh, all of the most enjoyable work experiences I had, I could tie back to where I was, uh, had these really close, constructive, prof- but professional relationships with either my boss or someone on my team who reported to me or a peer. Um, and, it, and it was always came back to why, why did I like those relationships so much? And it's like, because we were invested in each other. We were clearly invested in each other's success. And, and, um, and so when I would receive feedback, like, Hey, you should do this better. It never felt like, it never felt like a failure. It felt like someone, a friend trying to help, help me out. And, 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 um, there's, you know, there's, uh, inherent risks in obviously building friendships at work, but, uh, but I would never do it any other way. Uh, I'd rather deal with the risk of it not working out than than the, the alternative because that relationship really um, the relationships that I've had with uh, with my, my either wing person or I was theirs. I mean, I'm genuinely friends with a vast majority of them to this day, even after I've left working with them, which tells me that they were authentic, that they were real, they were uh, honest and fair and um, transparent. So I I know it's easier said than done, uh, but I really think that the value of having, and wing persons, I think it meant to be, uh, it's meant to capture attention, but it really is just, uh, you're looking for an advocate, right? You're looking, Mm -hmm. I I want an advocate for me and, and vice versa. I want to advocate for someone and if you can get to that point with your boss uh, or someone that reports to you, even um, there's a lot of really cool things that come out of that. Like, um, yeah, like it makes work it makes work more satisfying, and, and uh, to know that you've got people around you that um, are invested in your success and vice versa. So, um, I guess it kind of ties right back to the very beginning of what we were talking about too, which is. Uh, you, if you genuinely care about someone and, and uh, can be uh, vulnerable with with the people around you, whether you're managing a people or you're an individual contributor, um, uh, it's a great pl- It's a it's a good place to be, and I felt like that's where my success, at least for my career, has really resided in. Do you think? I, I know for me, these some of these relationships have led to my next job and stuff like that. I mean, I'll even get, you know, I, I'm at my current job because I would say a person that I work with now was my wing person at another company I was at. So I, they were the consultant and I was the client, Mm -hmm. but we ended up becoming the person we could trust and rely on. And we had to, because I had people on my team I couldn't trust basically, but I could trust them. And I ended up at this where I am now um, through some series of 
hoops and events and time off. But right. like, you know, I just think that um, it's led, it leads to other jobs, but also, like you said, in, in the job, having more satisfaction, because it's like, if you're not only looking out for yourself, but someone else, I don't know. And especially what you talked about earlier, and I'm very similar where I can't brag about myself very well, you know, but I'm definitely always able to do that for someone else and have someone else I can champion. Right. And so I don't know. Do you, I don't know what the point of what I was saying was to be honest, other than, yeah. Yeah. And, (laughs) and have you experienced that where it's just kind of led to these greater things? It really has. In fact, I can, uh, I was just thinking about this a couple of weeks ago uh, because I am starting a new job soon um, that uh, is, uh, directly because of that, because of relationships built. Um, and I actually have, except for the first job, the first job out of college, uh, the first startup that I worked at, that one I applied to out of the blue um, and was able to get the job. It was an entry-level job, so it wasn't you know horribly difficult to do. But um, every job since then has been because of the relationships I built, like at there's not one job in the entire rest of my career, adult career, where the, the job didn't come from either referral and or someone I worked with um, previously who, you know, either put a good word in for me or was actively looking to hire me specifically. Um, so, I, yeah, to, uh, absolutely the, the relationships matter. Um, you know, not to say you can't get a job out of the blue that, you know, plenty of people do that all the time, but um, at least for me, uh, and I guess in some ways that just reinforces that that relationship and that um, being being that authentic, genuine person and being that person who cares uh, is something that people like to have around. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, regardless of what you ha- your skills are, having knowing that you have somebody who's genuinely invested, um, uh, you know. Uh, it's much easier to teach people the skills of a job of like, this is how you do X, Y, and Z or, or but it, uh, you can't, in my opinion, it's very difficult to train someone to be authentic or to care or to um, be invested in something. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll take, I'll take kind of that passion and engagement over actual uh, do they know the basics of the job any day? Because one is much easier to train than the other. Mm-hmm. That's true. And yeah, and training like even integrity and things like that, right. I mean, it's really hard to teach that. Cause it's like, you don't even know someone doesn't have it until something's happened. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, skills, I mean, and just, I think, I mean, I know for me, I've been given a chance when I didn't know anything. Like I didn't, I knew nothing about this program, for example, or like right now I work at Adobe's AEM. I didn't know anything about that when I started working with it, but the person knew I could learn. So, you know, but they also knew that I would work as hard as possible and whatever. Um, So yeah, I agree with that. Do you have any specific, do do you see a difference between the wing person and a mentor? Yeah, and it's probably I would say they're probably the same. I think the mentor relationship, uh, the the yeah, that's a good question because I'd say uh, the word mentor um, perhaps has some preconceived notions of what a mentor is, which is uh, it is definitely a, I know more than you 
in, not in a not in a, in a uh, uh, oppressive or uh, you know ego kind of way, but a mentor is someone who is there to teach you something and help mm-hmm. develop you. And, and a wing person could be that uh, certainly, um, but it, the power dynamics there are very top down. And and what uh, where I felt like I've had the best relationships with my bosses and 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 vice versa when I've had people who I considered wing persons with me, um, it's been a much more felt like we were equals. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we couldn't teach other, teach each other stuff cause, uh, we could, um, but it never felt, it never felt too, it, or at least to me, it never felt too heavy handed one way or the other. It was, so it's more of a, uh, it's more of an equal relationship than a mentor. I'm um, not to say that mentors and wing persons could be the same. Um, mm-hmm. they could. Uh, but yeah. I guess it's more about pers- uh, a personalities and approach and all that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about like, say someone's now come to this point and they go, I don't have this kind of person. I'd like one, but I don't know who I would identify as that. What do you say? Yeah. I'd say starting out on a new job, you should get a lay of the land. You should not just immediately go, you are going to be my wing person. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, Buddy, yeah, exactly. Um, that's not uh, that isn't the way it works. It, it it does, you know, kind of the through the the through line through all of this is it has to be uh, feel organic and genuine. And so, um, I think it's good to uh, build relationships, get to know as many people as possible, both uh, if you're managing people or uh, whoever your boss or bosses are, and build relationship there and build that trust uh, in in. Then it's better, and it's not like I've ever, uh, I've never had the conversation with anyone of like, "Hey, you're going to be my wing person, or I'm going to be your wing person." <laughs> it, it felt, it felt like natural there, which is in it, you know, without saying the words, you can certainly say, "I definitely have said to uh, many of my bosses, what do you need for me so that you can be successful? Because your success is my success, and that's true." Um, and, 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 you know, uh, when you start from a position that, like that of how can I help you be successful, A, that tends to be disarming because uh, mm-hmm. um, people will go, oh, <laughs> you know, how often it, there's plenty of people I've managed that have never asked me that question. So, um, you know, uh, just as soon as you have someone that reports to you that's asking you that question, immediately you're going to listen. Um, and then two, it shows that like uh, – you know, in return, you don't have to say, well, I'll, I'll support you if you support me. It's not like a back scratch thing, but it kind of happens naturally, which is like if I, um, at least for all of the bosses that ha- I've served for that um, we remain friends today, uh, it was definitely a, it became mutual, which was because I was interested in their success, they also were interested in mine. Um, and whether and whether that was, you know, strictly from a succession planning perspective, uh, because you're like, oh, here's someone who is interested in learning what I do, uh, or something, or maybe something more organic or um, not non non specific like that, which was, uh, oh, I like being around people who are interested in my success, and I, and and in return, I feel uh, I. Uh, I guess kindness begets kindness is probably right. Like, like the, the uh, people instinctually want to be good uh, when people are good to them. 
And so, and, and I don't want to make it sound transactional because it isn't, because I think the moment going back to the, the, the person who um, couldn't had to fake it to make it on the empathy front. Uh, I don't, I don't think that it, it can't be transactional. It, you, if you can't get to a point where you genuinely feel it, then don't waste your time. And mm-hmm. you, know, you have to, you have to genuinely feel it. Um, and not everyone will be able to do that. Like not everyone can, can be in that genuine space. Um, I get it. You know, like, yeah. Sometimes I wish I could do that, like, like we talked about. Like sometimes I wish I could be turn it off and just you know focus on the deliverables and not you know get so invested in the the um, kind of the emotion of a project or a process. But that's not who I am. You know, it's taken a long time to figure that out, but it's not yeah. who I am. I clearly have to be that way. Yeah, that's great. And so now, so looking now beyond this but you've taken take all your skills and all your interpersonal relationships and everything what brought you to be a white salmon city council member number number four number four yeah. yeah i like that you're number four like if i just want to look up like jim jim ran here number four and just see what comes up yeah, it's funny too because uh, we're in a town small enough that I don't know why they're numbered because we don't have we don't have wards. I've lived in big cities. Uh, we don't have districts. We don't have wards. Um, all the council members represent all the city residents. Uh, so I don't know why they're numbered, other than maybe just to differentiate between you know who who's one, two, three, four, and five. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's it is it, this is actually kind of. It's just now kind of occurring to me real time on this this call. Um, but uh, there was uh, one of the people who was my boss um, had planted a seed a long, long time ago uh, when I uh, when I was uh, had left the, a job and we stayed friends. And one of the conversations, he's like, you know, have you ever thought about doing anything political? He's like, I think you'd be really good at it because he's like, you know, who doesn't want a politician that cares about people. And I was like, Oh yeah. And I hadn't thought about it. Um, it never really entertained the idea or the notion of it. And, um, and so it just sat there in my head, you know, not like a, it wasn't an action item. It wasn't a, uh, here's my strategy or here's my plan. Um, and, and then it, it kind of just, it, it really just, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not super into, you know, if you think positive things will manifest themselves, I'm not into the secret. Uh, but, but I would say that like, there are coincidences, some coincidences sometimes where you're just like, huh, that was a particularly unique coincidence. And so the, uh, whether that was the universe or not is open for debate, but um, I, uh, there was an uh, opening on the city council uh, in, in January of 2020 and, um, and that opening, uh, you can apply for. They don't do special elections. Again, small town, it's not worth doing a special election. So uh, the council actually receives applications. They review the applications. You go in front of the council, uh, explain why you want to be on the city council, and then they decide in a closed session. Well, they don't decide in a closed session. They discuss in a closed session, and then they do a straw poll, and that's how they select. And so I did it. I did that in January. I did not get it. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, and I, I kind of took it as like, well, then maybe it wasn't meant to be at this moment. It, it wasn't like a never, but it was definitely a, that's okay. Like, you know, I do I'm busy with work. I've got other things going on. It, it's not the end of the world. Um, 
And then it opened up. Uh, I actually didn't know it had opened up a second time in July. Uh, one of, but one of the city council members uh, happened to see me on the street because again, small town. Um, and he's like, "Hey, you know, have you are you applying again?" And I said, "I go. I didn't even know there was an opening." He's like, "Hey, if you're interested, you should apply." Um, and so I applied again. And obviously, uh, in government, things change significantly between January and July when it comes to you know, things like global pandemics. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, uh, you know, the answers, the, my priorities for the city changed uh, from what I had proposed in January versus in July. And yeah, it was, uh, 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 you know, there were three applicants again, uh, this time I was selected. And uh, so my term uh, lasts through the end of 2021. And uh, I think sometime this summer, this coming summer, is when I would need to decide if I'd like to uh, run for the position. Um, so I've got a little more time to kind of think about that. Um, I think for someone who's interested in politics, um, but also uh, uh, wary about dipping their toes in, this perhaps was like the best possible scenario, which was I get a chance to see um, what the work is like and if I like that work. And, uh, uh, you know, again, I, uh, like I said before, I don't claim to know anything. Uh, and so uh, being very humble and, and, and uh, open to feedback from others has been really valuable during it. So it's been, uh, so far, it's been a good experience. Um, so there's the background, at least, on how I got into that spot. That's it's really cool, though. And have you become either disillusioned about anything or more hopeful about things as a result of this? Is there anything that's happened that, you know, uh, you know, the saying all politics are local. Um, and I, that, that is true because, um, you know, our town uh, is very much just a microcosm of everything you see at, at a national level. Um, you know, uh, things like black lives matter, uh, black lives matters, um, comes up in a town of our size. Um, you know, things like defund the police have come up in a town of our size. And, you know, how those ideas and those uh, those challenges are um, translated to a town of our size is different than it would if I lived in Seattle or Portland or, you know, cities that have large budgets. You know, in our world, defund the police means we actually would just have uh, – less coverage because we, we don't have so many police officers that there are two police officers at any given time. We have time, you know, there's, it's one police officer at any given time. And if you were to defund the police uh, position, for example, you would just reduce your coverage. Um, so uh, you're not, uh, I don't think anyone here in our town is both uh, regardless of your political affiliation is advocating for defund the police. That being said, our council and our mayor, who I am a huge fan of, uh, she uh, proposed in the 2021 budget um, kind of an initial to start contract position uh, for social work to help the police and, and to full credit to, to be given the chief of police. Uh, he um, more than anyone had been pushing for that. He, you know, I've had, he and I have met in person. I've done a ride along with one of the officers. So I, I've had some conversations with the local community, uh, policing community about things like Black Lives Matters and and defund the police. And everyone seems to be on the same page when it comes to 
uh, police officers don't, they didn't go, they didn't go to school and or become police officers to become social workers. That's not their passion. Um, and and they would absolutely want help and assistance on that front, whether it's, uh, whether it's working with people who are homeless, people, uh, domestic violence disputes, um, and mental health, uh, calls. Those are all things that, um, you know, there's only so much training, uh, that you can get on that unless you have an actual professional, you know, medical professional there to assist. And so, um, the part that's so going back to your question of like, you know, am I optimistic or, or not? Um, uh, I, it's been the, uh, clearly in something that I had not necessarily made the connection that, uh, you know, all politics are local really does mean like things that these massive social movements and how, how they are reflected in our local community. Um, I don't know if I would have ever kind of made those connections until now. And now that I see how, you know, one size doesn't fit, fit all and that, you know, the solution to defund the police in a big city is a very different proposal than it would be in our town. Um, I, you're not hearing anyone here say defund the police because th- that isn't realistic. What's realistic is getting so- the support. And that started with the police chief pushing for it, the mayor advocating for it. And then the council, we voted on the, the 2021 budget that included that that position. And so if that position, I think, becomes really successful, then it would ultimately lead, I think, to a full-time position, which is, I think, what I think most people would be interested in seeing and, and happening. So I guess that was a long-winded question to say that I am optimistic because um, the the reason the what's great about at least my town and my, the council that I work with, and I was thinking about this just on Wednesday when we had our last council meeting, uh, and Wednesday just so happened to be a, for people on, on the timeline. Uh, there was a pretty big uh, news event that happened on Wednesday with the the riot at the U.S. Capitol. Um, I just felt so lucky to be with, I knew, I know that not everyone on the city council is on the same uh, political spectrum that I am. Uh, but I have so much respect for all of them because um, a, this is, uh, is essentially a volunteer position. You do get paid a little tiny uh, stipend uh, of sorts uh, for the hour, the hour and a half, two hours that you put into the actual council meeting. Um but uh, just, you know, here are people who are taking time. All of us are taking time out of our personal lives uh, for the betterment of our community. Everyone, at least on this council, as far as I can tell, is very invested in our town. And we're, so we all come at it from a different angle. But it's just it's been nothing but respectful, um, nothing but uh, we don't always agree on everything. Um, but uh, we do seem to agree on the uh, foundational uh, foundational elements of what politics should be, which is we're very respectful of each other. Um, we're very, uh, it, we're all, uh, none of us are doing this for anything other than we want to help our community be successful. And so um, I feel a little spoiled in that sense because uh, the town that I'm in is, is turned out to just be so amazing. And, you know, I don't want to sound like the white salmon tourist board, but, um, <laughs> uh, uh, and obviously I'm biased because I'm clearly on the city council. Um, but I just, it, I just felt so lucky and uh, knowing how partisan and, and really what a uh, complete mess Wednesday was at the U S Capitol, um, to be able to kind of look into the faces of my through zoom because we can't meet in person because of the global pandemic. Um, uh, uh, it's been, it's, it's just been such, it's, 
I don't I don't dare say a blessing, but it's just been a complete um, joy to work with the people uh, on our council because they're just all so interested in helping. So I don't know. I, I, I'm gushing a little, but it's it is uh, it's been a really good experience so far. All things considered, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, with what's going on in politics. Yeah, and that was. I mean, yeah. So we're recording this. I mean, it will be up a little bit later in the year, but we're recording this the Friday after what happened, and I'd, I'd say still processing. I'm still processing. I'm still processing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, that's good to hear. And I guess that would bring me to a question about you've you've worked on nonprofits before and on a board. And I think just around the idea of service, which is something that's super important to me. So I'll often touch on it with people. And in other interviews, I've actually had people go, oh, yeah, and I do this. And they didn't even think about that being a relevant thing. But I think how we spend our time outside of work is very important as much as work. So have you found similarities between doing this work on the city council and being on a board of a nonprofit and kind of since you, you have consistently chosen to spend your spare time um, doing these things other than, you know, what we all do is Netflix and stuff, but then these things, just, what are you, what are you finding that um, you're getting from those things? And maybe, yeah, like I asked, I guess already too, is it similar or different? It is similar. Um, it does kind of like scratch the same itch, right? Which is um, that desire to contribute more to your community, however you can do that. Like, and not everybody can serve on the city council, not everybody, uh, whether, t- you know, time or interest, uh, or not everybody can serve on a board of a nonprofit, but most people, um, you know, and this is true, but I live, you know, I lived in Seattle, I've lived in big cities, I've lived obviously here in small towns, you know, the, 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 the thing that really stands out to me is most people want to help. And, and so it's been really just, uh, yeah, it's been great to be around people like that. Like it's good for the soul to be around people who are donating their time and, or uh, money to the betterment of people um, or the environment, or, you know, like there's a thousand different nonprofits out there, right? Uh, more than a thousand, a million. Um, but, uh, you know, like the nonprofit that I worked with in Seattle, which was Youth in Focus, um, which was working with at-risk youth uh, and teaching them actual photography, meaning uh, film photography, not digital. They do digital as well. But, um, you know, uh, giving a voice to at-risk youth who um, never uh, – some of them never had been asked what their opinion was on anything ever. Like this was the first time someone said here, here's a camera. We want to, we want to see what you feel, what you, what your vision is, what your uh, perspective or point of view is. And for some, that's the first time someone's ever asked them, told them that like, which is mine, you know, for, you know, I feel just another great example of how fortunate I felt growing up. But like, uh, you know, I had a family that was very interested. My mother was very interested in, uh, what I was thinking and feeling and, and my perspective and my teachers. And so, you know, I mean, there's a whole nother podcast there about the privileges of that. Um, but uh, it really was, um, yeah, it, it's been, it was really, it's really nice and rewarding to work with organizations where you can give uh, people a voice who don't have, don't, who don't know they have one. Um, and so maybe that's the, that for me, that might be what the, the types of nonprofits and city council that have, have, have appealed to me is, 
uh, being able to give a voice to those who don't always know they have one. And, and so I really, yeah, I, I highly recommend anyone who's ever interested in doing, working with nonprofits, nonprofit, uh, like to just a little context of how I even got on my first board. Um, I literally, I, I don't even know where I saw this. It, it could, may have been even Facebook, but, uh, there was a, there's a nonprofit Seattle foundation in Seattle, which is kind of a, uh, I can't even think of the right word. They're, they essentially are, they support other nonprofits. Uh, and so one of the things they do is they offer a one day training session on uh, how to be a board member at a nonprofit. And I was like, Oh, that sounds interesting. I, I've never even thought of that. And so I took the class and then one of the things that they do at the end is they say, okay, in a couple of weeks we have a, a nonprofit uh, um, dating, which we essentially show up. There's a bunch of nonprofits who are looking for board members and you can kind of choose a couple that you want to talk to. And you literally, it's like speed dating. It's like you spend a couple minutes going around talking to everyone. And, and that's how I found youth in focus actually. And, um, and, and it was great because, uh, you know, there was definitely three or four nonprofits I was interested in that I talked to. Um, and, but it was as soon as I talked to youth in focus, I knew I was like, Oh, this is the one, this is the one I want. And it's, was great because they also wanted me, but nonprofits are, I mean, in general, nonprofits are desperate for board members. They're desperate for people to help further the vision. They're desperate for people to help with fundraising. I knew nothing about fundraising uh, when I started. Um, And, you know, it turns out that it's pretty straightforward. You just need to, you know, ask people for money and just say, hey, like, you know, whether it's $5 or $500, uh, you know, hey, and it's really just working your network of friends and family and just yeah. saying, um, hey, do you, uh, well, and you obviously know all about fundraising uh, with nonprofits that you've worked with. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so, like, sorry, but I'm going to ask again. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know that uh, I, in fact, I, that's funny. You should say it. I know for a fact that I put social media posts for like, I know I've, I've sent this three times in the last week, but I'm sending it a fourth time, which is we're still, yeah. we're still fundraising. And so, uh, but it is very satisfying when you hit your fundraising goals. Mm-hmm. Cause you know that then the, the mission of the nonprofit that you're trying to support is going to continue. And, you know, most nonprofits, like, I don't know what people think in general, but most nonprofits, or if they're lucky, they have three to six months of funding sitting there, like meaning that that if they didn't raise another dollar, they'd be out of money in three to six mm-hmm. months. That's most nonprofits. Um, yeah. And that's uh, and so that's why nonprofits are always fundraising, because they got to keep got to keep that padding there. Otherwise, you know, um, you can't weather a down, economic downturn. You can't weather um, uh, any type of financial situation that comes up. So anyway, uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's good. And I I don't it's funny. um, I don't think I've heard that story before. So that was great. And I think I mean, like I said, I think it's one of the most important ways we can spend our time is to give back to the community, especially when we're fortunate to be living a certain way within our communities, you know, right? Yeah. Um, And the pandemic has showed us that for sure. Yeah. So do you have any? Well, I'm going to pause. Did we not cover something you want to cover? No, we covered everything. That was great. Okay, cool. Yeah, love All right. it. All right. So do you have any advice or mantra? I mean, we've talked a lot. So we've got quite a bit of kind of advice, not called advice, kind of. But uh-huh. do you have any like mantra or advice that you like to share with people in general? Just a thing you repeat or have on a post-it <laughs> since you're a post-it guy? Yeah, um, I don't I don't have a, a mantra. Um 
So I will say that one of the things that I discovered when I was doing, forced myself to kind of essentially create my own or understand my own motivations in my life and career. Uh, one of the things that I, I continue to come back to is uh, I'm, I'm happy that I'm a work in progress. I'm uh, like, I, I, I have to remind myself of that because um, I think uh, I also, what would I do if, <laughs> what would I do if I wasn't a work in progress and I was just done? What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. So I should be happy and, and happy is probably a strong one. Cause I think happy is a, a loaded word. I should be content with being a work in progress. And so I, I would say like, if there was one thing that I, I, am reminding myself often is um, I'm a work in progress and, and I, I want, I want to be comfortable with that. And I hope, you know, I think that's, a, <laughs> that's also something I'm working on is being comfortable with being a work in progress. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that's a mantra, but I would just say that's, you know, I'd love to impart that on everyone who uh, is listening, um, which is, we're all works in progress and that's okay. And um, it's okay to show that vulnerability. Um, most people, uh, you know, I don't have any friends um, that have it all figured out as far as I can tell. So, and that doesn't make me love them any less. It actually makes me love them more. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I have a series of questions that I call the fun five and I'd like to just go through those with you and okay. have fun with them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so this one is really just me trying to justify the fact that I've kept so many old t-shirts, but what's like the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? And still wear. That's the hard part, right? Um, it could be just have too. If it's so the, this, this says a little bit about me as a person too, which is um, I am, uh, I am notorious for throwing things out quickly. I, uh, <laughs> and so I don't, I'd say probably the oldest t-shirt that I have um, is, uh, is that I, that I wear is probably not even a year old. Um, oh my gosh. Um, uh, and it would be like, you know, it'd be like probably it's like, a, you know, a plain t-shirt, you know, plain blue t-shirt from Banana Republic that I probably got for like, you know, twelve ninety nine at the outlet. Um, so, uh, so there's nothing special there. I do have some old t-shirts uh, stored away. Uh, we have stored away in a box of, of kind of like concert t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I know I have, uh, I have some older concert t-shirts, t-shirts there. And uh, I think um, Madonna from, what would it, I guess that would have been 2001. Um, so that probably been the, the oldest concert t-shirt I have. Um, so yeah, let's say Madonna 2001, even though I'm not wearing it. <laughs> All right, cool. What tour was that? I was trying to, cause we went the one when Obama was. Uh, That's right. Yeah, we actually have seen Madonna together at the same time, which is, uh, that's right. Um, so, right. It was or... at Park, it, and we found out literally in the middle of a Madonna concert, that Obama had won. Yeah. In 2008. It really probably can't get better than that. <laughs> no, that was hard candy, right? I guess. Was, yeah, yeah. So you were at an earlier one. All right. And, um, well, we're in 2021, but this question stands. If every day was really Groundhog's Day, like it seems to have been for a while now, yeah. what song would you have your alarm clock play it every morning? It would have to be something poppy, uh, 
Uh, we already talked about Madonna. So I was a big Madonna. I have been a big Madonna fan for a long time. Um, so it'd be maybe something like, uh, I'm trying to think of what, I'm trying to think of Madonna song that I'd want to hear every day for eternity. Um, <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. You kind of have to hear it every day. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I'm just going to say it. Papa don't preach. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, which feels very, uh, it, it feels, uh, it feels really spot on to hear that one over and over and over. Um, yeah, it's got some orchestral in it. It's got some pop. It's got, yeah, it, that might be fun. Um, so I'll say Papa don't preach. All right. That's, that's good. I was going to say, if we're going for a second place song, it just occurred to me, um, I would uh, absolutely be okay with uh, U2's Where the Streets Have No Name. Mm. Uh, I love that song. So I'd say, like, um, the Madonna one would be for my own uh, nostalgia purposes, but I'd say Where the Streets Have No Name by U2 would be a fantastic, uh, not that you asked for two songs, but there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm actually, by the time this airs, I should have a Spotify playlist of all the songs people have said, because I thought that'd be fun. So you'll have two. You'll get two. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Good for you. All right. This one. I know the answer to, I'm pretty sure, but coffee or tea or neither? The answer is definitely coffee. Um, But you know what's funny about coffee? Uh, So I... I can tell you the day that I started drinking coffee. I know exactly the day, um, which is it was um, Tuesday after Labor Day of 2010. Like I know exactly the day uh, because wow. it was recent. Like I, I did not like coffee. Up, uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like tea. Uh, I like tea as well now. Um, but uh, I got a job at Zulily. That was my first wow. day at that job. And uh, the start time, because I, at least initially I was helping run uh, the call center, um, was 6 a.m. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I, it doesn't matter if I like coffee. I need caffeine to be able to be awake and successful at this job. And very quickly, you know, uh, as soon as as soon as I became a Starbucks fiend at the, after that, like mm-hmm. it was like you know double shot for breakfast, uh, you know a mocha for lunch. Like it was it was yeah. it was a thing. So yeah, coffee for sure. Uh, for me now. Love it. Nice. When was the last time or a time you remember, because last time's kind of tricky that you like laughed so hard you cried or just couldn't stop, or maybe just as something that makes you do that. Um, I'm sure it was a movie or TV show. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if I could tell you right off the bat, because um, I definitely know I can definitely know that we're in the house that I'm in now. I've had at least a few of those. Um, actually, uh, the one that really comes to mind was neither. It was we, uh, a group of us were playing a game called Drawing Without Dignity, uh, mm-hmm. which is essentially cards like Cards Against Humanity, but essentially straight not charades, but Pictionary style. Uh-huh. Um, so you have to draw offensive things on paper, and it's it's really it's actually quite fun. Uh, but, uh, that was the last time that I laughed so hard that I couldn't breathe. So (laughs) (laughs) nice. Um, all right. And the last of the five, who inspires you right now? What a great question. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to say, and I think I kind of touched on this a little, but, um, 
uh, both the city council and the mayor. Uh, I'm very inspired by the the people that I'm working with on that front, and and the mayor in particular. She um, she is. I mean, she's she's kind of like Superwoman, I, and she's amazing. She's super friendly, very personable. Um, uh, you know, she just she literally became mayor during a pandemic. Um, she uh, like uh, she had a child during the pandemic, and wow. she's mayor, and she has a job, and you know, like the list is really long. And she's just so wonderful and uh, caring about her community, and so. Uh, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind was her because she's just she really is a super, super woman. And so um, it's uh, and it's just been a pleasure to get to know her because she's just a really she's just good people. So um, she inspires me because and, and she inspires me not because she just works hard, because clearly <laughs> all of this, all of those things uh, uh, require hard work. Um, but she's just uh she uh, she kind of makes it look easy she, and I know it's not, there's no way it is, um, you know, yeah. uh, but she, she really is. Um, it's inspiring to see someone uh, be able to be so committed to her community, but also, you know, work really hard. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's nice mm-hmm. actually. All right. So that's all my questions. Just, do you have anything you want people to specifically look up and I'll put everything in show notes or promote. No, uh, I'm definitely not a social media influencer, so I don't need, um, I don't, uh, no one needs to follow me or anywhere. Um, I am on Instagram, uh, but I, I don't think I've posted Instagram in probably two or three years. So I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think I need to share it. I don't have anything, I'm nothing to promote other than, uh, you know, do your best to care about the people around you. <laughs> and visit White Salmon when and visit White Salmon, Washington. Uh, we love visitors. Uh, maybe wait until um, you can uh, do something here besides stand outside. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jim, this was super. And thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much for having me, Robbie. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me this week. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. The music you're probably moving to by now is by Joe Mafia. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Meckie is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let us know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work at More Than Work Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow. Or visit our website at RobbiaSaid.com. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. We'll be back next week with another guest. In the meantime, while being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself. <laughs>